tonight I wanted to talk to you about commercials Ooh. and recording commercials and what commercials appeal to you and you know the commercials that you look at and, or or how how would someone sell something to you right if I was going to sell you a book series like like what advertising what marketing do you come across on facebook instagram whatever and you say oh i have to click on this because that's always the first as a as a publisher something i've learned and i can accomplish sometimes is getting people to make that first click mm -hmm. because you don't want to have too many clicks right <laughs> you don't want to say oh read this ad copy and then click on this link and then go to this Amazon page and then read the description of my book and then click add to cart and then go to cart. And then, you know, there's too many layers in between there, right? Yeah. Or there's a lot. So to what would make you make that first click? Like, let's just say it's a book. It's a random book, whatever. And what sort of cover would make you click on that ad right because having collaborated with you on this book the Airbus effect and upcoming the Europa goodbye you're real detailed lore heavy guy right mm -hmm. now how would someone translate that to you in a book cover see that's the interesting thing is when it comes to book covers, I don't need all that crazy lore. Um, you know, I mentioned the example of, oh, well, you want to have the sandworms and the ornithopters and maybe maybe a Fremen with a cis with a Chris knife on the, on the cover of your Dune, first Dune, first edition of Dune, which I'm pretty sure I've even seen that exact thing. I might be recalling that from like my ether memory or something. Um, but it doesn't need to be so complex. Um, why years ago, in fact, maybe even before I started working with you on shadow play, which is now obviously called the, the Airbus effect. I had this idea for a book that we will probably still publish someday called outliers, which is basically the story of a Zarn detective in the Zarn collective, like after the Zarns have had their uprising. And he's basically a equivalent to Darius, but a Zarin, and he's like in the, like living in a Zarin society. He gets assigned to investigate these these killings, and the reason that he's called an outlier is because he's basically a Zarin autistic person. He's the Zarin, an outlier is what the Zarins call someone who does not fit the usual mold of a Zarin. So someone who someone it's it's like it's like the, it's like the mathematical term outliers. It's someone who falls outside the usual plot graph, um, and. The, the idea I had for this cover would be something sort of like you, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen um, like music covers like this, like a, like, a, like an LP cover or something that looked like this, where you see the main character, whose name is Kadreyu, standing okay. in a crowd. He's like looking, he's like looking out or maybe looking off to the side of the, of the camera, you know, the, 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 or the, or the yeah. point of view of the cover. Um, and the crowd is passing all around him, but they're like blurred out. They're like just passing him by and he's sort of stuck in one place, just observing and stuck. And that's kind of the I idea like I had that. to cover. So I like so, that a lot, sir. Because you can see that that's one of the things that, that that's one of the things that sort of at the risk of tooting my own horn, that's one of the interesting one of the interesting things about me is 
as much as I do love dense lore and world building and everything, I'm also a sucker for good aesthetics. I was a visual, I was a visual person long before I was a lore person, you know, the lore of Lord of the Rings, the lore of Star Wars and all these things, those sold me, but I was also a sucker for the aesthetics of Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Stargate SG-1 and everything else. What would that cover look like, right? Now take it, because I, I say Stargate because you, you got the obvious one. You've got like the ring, you got the people walking through it. Now, that will tell you everything you need to know, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe like they're like walking up steps, but then like the background, the foreground is the people walking up the steps into the Stargate ring, but the background is just like stars, Right, and it's yeah. the Milky Way galaxy or something. So that image there conveys, oh, they're going through a Stargate. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not bad, actually. That's that's a pretty good thought. Yeah, because <laughs> I, 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 you know, that's that's why with uh, when we designed the Erebus effect cover, I said, oh, you got to have Janet, and then you got to have the assassin, but then you got to have the assassin look not human, and then you should have like the the fucking the the big eye with the broken TV screens glitching out in the background, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of conveys to the reader, oh, there's a uh, you know, like a like a like a digital presence looking at them, but mm-hmm. also you've got a, a non-human person who kind of looks human but isn't. And then you've got this woman who's tough as nails. She's got a big knife in her hand, mm-hmm. right? So she's clearly fighting the non-human while this big evil eye is watching them, you know? And so that was kind of the inspiration there for that. That was my first initial thought um, because covers tell a story, right? They have to, and they've only got like five seconds to, uh, uh, if that to catch the reader and then get them to click. Right. Yep. So really the cover just uh, gets them to stop. Right. The covers makes you stop scrolling and pay attention, but take it back to that Stargate book cover. I described, we've got the four people walking up the steps to the Stargate, but the background is Milky way. The other half of um, like a Facebook ad is ad copy, right? Mm-hmm. So the cover gets them to stop, but you you've got you got like six to ten words max, probably more like six to eight, to sell a book. Yep, you know, and it's basically social media engineering, kind of. It's marketing, right? Yeah, it's it's. Because we do that, we do that at NASA, you know, a lot of people, yeah. send, I won't say a lot of people, because lots of people nowadays probably are aware that NASA has social media presence, you know, NASA Goddard has its own Facebook page and Twitter page and Instagram page, a NASA, the flagship NASA accounts exist, there's all sorts of things that communicate on these different social media platforms, and depending on which platform you're on, there's really a lot of intricacy in terms of how you engineer those uh, services how you engineer the content because i've actually written i've actually drafted and a couple of tweets that have been published on the nasa on the, some of the nasa social media uh, services um one about my story about dragonfly and a couple other ones like that 
and you know it's 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 really an exercise in distillation because you want to take the most important points or at least enough of the important points to sell what you're doing and boil them down to like a single line like you said like you know a, a single a single line not not a paragraph not two lines not non whatever it's it's just just a line because you can you can you can put another paragraph after that line and maybe flesh it out but that first line and maybe the picture that they supply because obviously that's part of this too that goes back to the cover that we were talking the cover design sort of that sort of element that we were talking about the the the, the first line is what sells it because you got to you read that and you're like huh i never thought of that or whoa that's cool something like that well because if i'm running a if i'm running an uh, uh... And maybe it's a little bit different because you're doing PR for government outreach program. Basically, that's what NASA is. It's it's mm -hmm. a it's an outreach program, or you specifically are working in the outreach section for NASA, which is kind of a real open and public um, organization. But I know with sort of like book selling and like running Facebook ads for that, it's you know you've got you got to catch them with the book cover you got to catch them with a line and then you have to have a call call to action yeah and that call to action probably for me is just going to be click on the link to find out more yep you know um or Pretty standard but it's damned effective i mean it's you know it, you can't go wrong with that you know like or or what you know let's let's stick with the stargate one you got the book cover the book cover gets them to stop. There's a line that gets them to read. And then if that line is convincing, maybe they'll they'll go along with your call to action to click on the link. So with the with the Stargate book cover, the call to action is gonna be something like uh click on the link to step through the worm through the gate. Yep. Right. Or something like that. So what would that what what would if you had to distill Stargate down to like six to eight words? What would you think you would oh. be? Mm -hmm. Because if you think of it like I'm, this, I'm, I'm, that's I'm I'm thinking. I'm trying to. I'm trying trying to formulate something because you know, I'm bringing my writer's brain into this. It probably. Yeah. I'd probably say something like interstellar adventure, mythological madness. Find it all through the gate. Something not like bad. That. First, not bad. Not bad. Mythological madness uh, is wonderful. That's my favorite part of that, because I've never heard those two words put together like that before. Right. So that automatically catches my ear. And uh, uh, because finding something new to say is almost impossible. Right. I'm sure someone else has said mythological madness, but I've never heard it. So um, and, and breaking them down into two, you know, two word sentences like that is really good, too. Right. So mythological madness. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Right. Distillation for an uh, uh, an advertising thing for marketing um so if you want to if you want to summarize stargate i would say human soldiers fight 
alien gods through mythological madness. Maybe soldiers and soldiers and scientists fight alien tyrants in a mythological war, or something like that. See, I get I get these like half formed ideas that sound kind of decent, but then they need work. Well, yeah, this is a great place to 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 practice the work sort of workshop, Mm -hmm. so our listeners can kind of hear how this is done, because you can write the best book in the world, but if you can't get it out into the world no one's going to care yeah and and the sort of person who is in the stargate the sort of person who sees a byline that says human soldiers fight alien gods through mythological madness um is they already know what they want right they just want a variation on the thing that they want right stargate is a wonderful variation on network television science fiction you know it's it's star trek but on its head you know it's 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 very um they take a lot of kind of star trek tropes and twist them you know they they make it at a point to do an original twist on things and so you're getting more of what you want human soldiers fighting aliens but also there's mythological madness and yeah, that mythological madness is good, man. We should incorporate that into something else. That's really good. So to go more into marketing, and mm-hmm. our book, Spacers, Colin, The Erebus Effect, uh, I'm not at the point right now where I'm going to do Facebook ads, but I'll probably run some Facebook ads on this thing. Yeah. Right? And... So we're going to have the cover. And that's a good cover. You know, it's dynamic. There's monsters. There's a strong protagonist mm-hmm. in the cover, right? And then, like, in the back, you've got the glitzy, glitching TV screens that are cracked with a big, giant eye that's overseeing everything. Kind of implies a conspiracy. So if you were going to write the initial sentence for it, what do you think it would be? How would you sell this book? Because my placeholder, which if we don't come up with the better thing I might do, Lady Space Cop fights future robots on Mars. Yeah. Or something like those lady- lines. I, or I would say maybe a couple, a little, maybe a couple more words. Something like Space Cop, Lady Space Cop chases robots across Mars to beat a conspiracy, to beat a world-breaking conspiracy or something like that. Maybe short, and then and we could edit it down. Well, because, you you know, there's a woman on the cover, so you can probably take out Lady Space Cop. Um, yes, Space Cop races, Space Cop races against time, the races to beat world-breaking conspiracy. Or Space yeah. Cop fights robot revolution on mars that sounds good yeah like like and and what i'm going and it's not what tries to stop rebel robot revolution on mars he tries to imply his ambiguity you can say tries to or you can say fights because fights is a stronger verb there you know fights tries to implies like well she's gonna try but maybe we're not sure 
and, and when you're selling it, you just want to you want to you want to punch them with the verb, you know. You want a verb that smacks someone in the face, mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, like you don't want to hear about someone trying. Mm-hmm. You want to hear about like, oh, they're gonna do it, right? Heroes yeah. use action verbs, like, like if if uh, uh, you know, if Meg allows, when I die, put that on my gravestone. <laughs> Heroes use action verbs. <laughs> I should get that tattooed, but. Do you have any other ideas? Because like space cops, space cop fights robot revolution on Mars. Or you could take out space cop, right? Mm-hmm. And you can almost say the robot revolution is just beginning. Yeah. Because um, is is the is the location important? Is the fact that she's a cop important? Is does the time, does the year it happened, is that important? Or is the fact that you could say the robot revolution is just beginning? That tells you everything you need to know. And you can see the woman who looks military, who looks police, with a knife, fighting a guy with his brain hanging out, right? Yeah. With with a big giant eye in the back. What do you think of that? I like that because you know again then because you do what you we do because then it leaves us open to do what my one of my creative writing professors called the page two move. Where after you have that snappy first line, then you can say something like watch experience a, fe- a female experience a space cop chasing robots on Mars to to try and try and stop it or something like that. Second sentence. That's good for the Amazon link for the mm-hmm. Amazon page, right? Yeah. Right now, we're trying to get them to go from Facebook to Amazon. Mm-hmm. The robot revolution is just beginning. Click on the link to stop it. Yeah, that's good. That's the that's the call to action, and it's wrapped in the uh, uh, the first sentence. I'm gonna write that shit down right now. Hold on. Yeah. Now we've taken him. We 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 have this cover. We have this futuristic cyberpunk sort of noir dystopian uh, uh, environment. We know there's a robot revolution, and we know that by the call to action stating "click on the link to stop it" implies that to the reader that the robot revolution is bad Mm -hmm. and as the reader you want to stop it right it's telling the reader really all you need to know in those two sentences you know it tells you the huge i gotta change click on the link to fight click on the link to fight back It, it tells you those two sentences click on the link to fight back um all you need to know because it's telling the reader that the robots are not the protagonist. Um, and, and, and we're going to want to, uh, it's inviting them to, to our side. It's inviting them to save themselves, right? You're already drawing them into the narrative, into the conflict. You're, you're, you're inviting them to suspend their disbelief. Uh, 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 and see themselves in Janet on the cover. Yep. 
So now we've done that and they've clicked on the link because they want to stop the revolution. Mm-hmm. What do you think the book, the, the, the blurb should say? Oh, man. The blurb? Yeah. Here, let the me The elevator you, pitch. The elevator pitch. Let me pull up my description. So, yeah. like, so the elevator pitch or the thing that would go on the back cover? Because those are two different things. The elevator pitch, you want to be short. You want to be short and snappy. The thing that goes on the back cover can be a little bit longer. I think the elevator pitch, I mean, for me, has always been space cops fight robots on Mars. Because, you know, it's a little, the word, the phrase space cops is campy, but that's almost by design. Yeah. Because it evokes sort of a pulpy 1960s sci fi vibe, you know, which is a lot of what your work, what our work is kind of reflected on because we grew up on a lot of the same books and movies and television. Yeah. Um, when did, when were the Zaharan uprisings? When, when, when were the purges? The purges, well, the purges and the Zaran uprisings are two different things. The purges took place during the start of... During Why does the, Janet hate Zarns? Janet hates Zarns because they tried to... She saw they, she saw why... She, she blames them for the Draconis crisis because the purges are part of the instigation for the Draconis crisis. So but she why them. specifically does she blame them? Like, what's the what's the one single incident that affected her personally? Well, she sees what she sees what they can do when they're angry, and she saw it, and she saw what happens to humans when they get in the way. Janet, fuck, what's Janet's last name? Harkov. Yeah, fuck, man, I breathed in a lot of fucking smoke. Like, <laughs> like my brain is fucking Swiss cheese right now. Okay, so. How long ago was 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 she uh, on Titan? What ten years? Well, try to confuse you. She she didn't she the the main inciting incident for her hatred of Zarns came when she was on Ganymede, which is after her time on Titan. That's when she was injured. Um, she remember she she went forward because they, they were they were they were where's Ganymede? It's a moon. It's another. It's a moon of Jupiter. Okay. Uh, how long ago was this? About seven years. About no, maybe ten years, ten or eleven years. Okay, it takes place. Okay, well then that's good there. So you you want the the blurb itself to kind of, you know, we've hooked them in with our two lines. We've gotten them to our party, right? And now they're in the store. They're on the Amazon page. They're wanting to buy it. So the first line. We, we we got to talk about the robots because we sold them on robots. So the blurb's got to be about robots. First line, uh, 10 years ago, Janet Harkov saw what the Zarns could do. Saw, or, or, or saw what the Zarns did when they were angry. Or saw who the Zarns were when they were angry. Yeah, because I'm saying got an like, idea. What you got? Because it doesn't matter. Because the because this blurb is we're selling them on we we brought them to the party on robots on robot revolutions. We're making them stay by introducing them to the lady who's fighting the robot revolution. 
Ten years after they almost killed her, a cop on Mars who works to oversee humanoid robots uncovers a plot by which they are infiltrating human society and which have and which may have even deeper personal implications than she realizes. Send that to me on Facebook. Because I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. You're on the right track. You really are. But this is why you have an experienced publisher with you. And so what happened after humanity saw that the Zarns were angry? Well, no, there was a bloody conflict, right? Well, yeah, there's a bloody conflict. And... and then after the conflict, what happened? They slapped regulations on, but now they're... The Zarns uh, are, are second-class citizens. Zarns. So it was a riot or uh, after the oh, purges? The purges were when the Draconis tried to wipe out the Zarns of the frontier. The Zarns then responded by having a sort of aborted or abortive revolution that didn't go anywhere. Um, and then after the Jaconis crisis ended or during the Jaconis crisis, the Zarns got more regulations slapped on them. And then the uprising came later. That's the actual like true revolution. Well, let me ask you this. Um, hold on. So 10 years ago, Janet Harkoff saw who the Zarns were when they were angry. After the purges, the artificial life forms learned their place. So 10 years ago, Janet Harkov saw who the Zarns were when they were angry. After the purges, the artificial life forms learned their place. Now, I know that the purges, there is... There is a whole lot you just said there. But what I'm doing is kind of summarizing a lot, right? Because, and we're also selling a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Because the thing I said doesn't feel super inaccurate to the lore. Am I wrong? No, like, you're fine. The purges, and then there was fighting and stuff and whatever the Zarns learn their place. Yep. So, and I think I would, I would, I would posit that when a potential buyer reads this and then they read the book, they're going to say, Oh, I heard the word purges on the back of the cover. That's what he's talking about. Right. And then they'll fill in all of the dots as they read it. Cause these two sentences were making a big box for the reader mm -hmm. to read our book and then fill it in with all of their own ideas and thoughts. Right. Yeah. And then we're like little tiny details and then they're filling it in for themselves, you know? Yeah. And then what would the third sentence be? You think now, now Janet works to keep them and now, now Janet works to keep them there. Um, and now Janet works to keep them there or something like that. Or at least she, or at least she did until though she did before, or at least she did before she discovered a conspiracy, a plot by which they're trying to subvert their, their, their second class, their second class status and which may have very close and which and which hits her very close to home or something along those lines. You 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 can work with it. Sure. Now 
artificials are forgetting who they belong to. Janet has to race across Mars to stop a conspiracy before the dark Okay, so I just sent it to you. For the benefit of our listeners, this is what we came up with. Yep. Ten years ago, Janet Harkoff saw who the Zarns were when they were angry. After the purges, the artificial life forms learned their place. Now the artificials are forgetting who they belong to, and Janet has to race across Mars to stop a conspiracy before humanity is replaced. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, you looking at that as the author, as the guy who has had this world deep in his head, is there anything there that conflicts with the manuscript as it is now? No, not really. And because to me, like, kind of tells you all the stuff you need to know mm-hmm. without, you know, going too crazy with it. Yeah. It, or Or not going too crazy, but we're, you know... If we've sold the potential buyer into clicking on the Facebook ad and then going to, uh, because they'll look at the description of Janet Harkoff fighting artificials, they'll go back to the cover. They'll say, oh, that's what the robot revolution is. And, and yeah. So do you want to record a commercial? Sure. We can try not for this it's actually for someone else's thing hmm. and it's a completely it's a completely um it's for uh cassie started a, a sub stack hmm. and that kind of inspired me to record this tonight and the kind of focus the episode on marketing and how to sell things to people and before we go there do you like kind of the sort of nearly not educational way i've been taking podcasts lately but it's more like you know oh here's how to do a thing yeah each each episode has a theme i like it yeah that's kind of what i'm trying for so kind of what i'm going to do is record this uh commercial and um you know just put it on the podcast and air it for you know and for our listeners cassie bormaktar was the editor uh, for our first run of books, she edited all of my uh, early books. She edited Spacer's book one. Um, and she's kind of spun off and is uh, building her own empire uh, uh, off in the world now. Yep. And uh, but she's still a very dear friend. And uh, she just pumped out a sub stack. And she's writing under the sub stack, Versatile Ambitions. And she just started uh, kind of a paid-for subscription, a little bit like what me and Nick are doing. And I kind of took what she sent and condensed it to kind of like, oh, this is probably about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So for an ad read, and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm so enjoying like 
I feel like I'm teaching right now. I'm like, oh, look, it's all these things I've learned for all these fucking 10 years. And it's finally coming to mean something. Um, For an ad read. You you did a, a little quick ad for our little thing. And that was actually pretty good. Thank you. Like, you pointed the camera at your face and you said, oh, well, this is Space Here's the Erebus Effect. The preview's up right now. And uh, it was, I'm like, oh, yeah, he hit all the, the things. Like, he said what we're doing, what it's about, and there was a call to action. You, have I ever you told having... you, have I ever told you the story of when I was – I'm sorry, not IUPUI. I was at Ivy Tech. One of the first creative writing classes I took at Ivy Tech before I went to IUPUI. When I was still not sure what I wanted to do college-wise. I took a class with a guy named Norm Minnick, who now teaches at Ivy Tech – God damn, who now teaches at IUPY and I think at Marion University too. And one day we were reading, we we were tasked with reading some of what we had written. And I re- I read one of my like old, like ye olde spacer spacer saga stories, like you know, old and busted, young, young Whittle Nick who didn't know what he was doing yet, spacer saga stories from like 2013. But when mm-hmm. I finished reading it, because I like I like acted out some of like the character voices and stuff, Norm kind of leans on his podium and says, "Why are you going into writing? You should be an actor. That's where the money is." That guy that Please I told do. you, that guy that I told you about, I want to say on our last recording, who I had a class with, who was like a who worked on us, who was a like a, a who was like a crewman on a sub um, submarine. He once told me when we were at like when we were having this film class together which was like films of martin scorsese it was a great class um one of the things he told me one day when we were having uh, like a class discussion is he sort of turned me he's like you know your voice kind of reminds me of casey Kasem, and i was like i guess i'll take that as a compliment i could see that that's why i got to the microphone sir yeah because i'm like he's got a good voice presence and he needs this better one goes, this one goes out to our friend derwin right there on the central indiana home track <laughs> um okay so i'm gonna do a read through of this and so as i'm reading through we'll kind of go through why i pared down because he sent me the things you sent me is probably about three or four times the size of this mm-hmm. and for me, I'm like, oh, we're making a radio commercial. We've got maybe 30 seconds to do mm-hmm. this. It's probably going to go at the end of all of our podcasts. Um, and here it goes. Here's mine. And then you'll, I'll, I'll have you do a, a run through as well. And so that way, anybody who's listening can kind of get kind of a, a vibe and idea of what how this goes. Yep. Because I remember, Nick, I figured out so much shit on my own. Oh, my God. I don't even know what questions to ask. But anyway. Here we go. Navigating a pandemic, late stage capitalism, while pretending everything is A-OK, Sloane lives alone with her dog, Moose. Struggling with this juggling act, Sloane breaks down one night and wishes magic were real. Next thing she knows, she's having a conversation with Moose as he levitates a spoon in your kitchen when they find out the world is really ending soon they're faced with a big decision will they save everyone or just float away 
subscribe to Versatile Ambitions on Substack and read the opening chapter of Once in a Millennium today. What were your thoughts there? How do you think about that? Now, if you notice, I did kind of change the, the words a little bit as I was reading it, but when it comes to stuff like this, when you're recording, I'm a big believer in, you know, uh, the the script is a good place for you to, to, it's a guidepost, but also if there's a way that you speak a word, if there's a way that your brain works, you're allowed to reframe it mm -hmm. as long as you're going in the same direction. But what are your thoughts? Well, because see my... I don't want to say I don't want to say this in such a way so that I can seem like your like your way is bad because your way is not bad. I'm not saying Go ahead. my way is to read the lines. So if I go read, ahead, if you want me, if you want me to read it, if you want me to read it, I'll probably just read it verbatim and just put my spin go. on it at the best I can that way. So if you want me to go ahead, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it for you. I think you should go ahead and read it. All right, let me get myself into speaking mode. Navigating a pandemic, late-stage capitalism, and pretending everything is totally fine, Sloane lives alone with her dog, Moose. Struggling with this juggling act, Sloane breaks down one night and wishes magic was real. Next thing she knows, she's having a conversation with her dog and levitating a spoon in her kitchen. When they find out the world really is ending soon, they're faced with a big decision. Will they save everyone or walk away? Subscribe to Versatile Ambitions on Substack and read the first chapter of Once a Millennium today. That's great. And I like how you went word for word for word. I could hear the Casey Kasem coming out. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was confident too. Right. That's what I like about your, your reading. You know, even like when we recorded Epitaph for Bipeds, uh, you were confident. You know, and yeah, you wrote that, but you didn't write this one. You just kind of like, oh, I'll just read the words as it said. And some people, they kind of trip over the words or they get nervous or whatever. Mm -hmm. Say the word levitating. Levitating. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> just... Oh, man. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, climate change sucks. Um. Now... Read that line. Next thing she knows, she's having a conversation with her dog and levitating a spoon in her kitchen. Read that again. Next thing she knows, she's having a conversation with her dog and levitating a spoon in her kitchen. Now, I actually repeat the line only because of this. When you had that first initial ad read, you, when you're comfortable when you're confident you speak quickly mm. right and that's good because you i would imagine you learn how to do that when you're kind of learning how to um uh perform like everyone else right mm -hmm. because you probably picked up early on that if you speak quickly firmly with confidence people listen yep and and so that reflects in your reading style, right? Uh, I find your autism fucking fascinating, by the way. <laughs> and I hope yeah, you take so that glad. as the highest compliment. I, 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 I hope you take that as the highest compliment. That makes one because, of us. 
you're such a a a, a deeply unique person and 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 i met so many different versions of so many people but i'm like oh you're an american original i would say and um so yeah i'm always like thinking like well how does his autism affect that and like you know like oh he speaks this way why does he speak this way oh he works backward it's kind of like when we did character study a few episodes ago uh-huh. when i was like well, why does Janet talk like this? And then you kind of work backward from the reason there, you know? And so I do that with you sometimes. You're a character in a book. <laughs> I don't know if you do this, but no, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> now if you were listening to a podcast and you wanted, you were how could we make this ad copy sell to you or it's purely audio man uh now it's okay if it's not your genre and I it's would, okay if, if this this is this actually seems pretty interesting because it's, it's got it's got some it's got some of the like that fried gold in it because it's it's got kind of like the harry potter like oh you know things aren't as the things things change you know What's the, what's the, yeah. again, going back, I think it's that same, same, not, not the professor that I mentioned a minute ago, but the one that I mentioned called, who called things, the called this the page two move a, a while ago in this, in this podcast episode. Um, he liked to talk about how um, there's two kinds of story. A stranger comes to town and it happened one day. And this yeah. is very much the it happened one day story, you know, that Sloane is living alone with her dog, trying to trying to keep all these plates spinning. And then she makes this wish and it changes the world for her. Yeah. It's very much then it becomes a question of, well, the world was one way. Now it's another way. What do we do with the world the new way? And but anyway, sir, I think we can wrap up there this marathon two and a half hour recording session. Oh, man. And we'll talk a little bit afterward. Yeah. Uh, for the Blanket Fortress Solitude, I am Derwin. And I am Nick. And we will see you next Monday morning at 0700. Have you seen the description of the podcast on YouTube recently? Uh-uh. Let me look that up. Yeah. Yep, Derwin and Nick went to college together. Now they write science fiction novels. Each episode is a writing workshop that develops a novel one chapter at a time. Also, sometimes they talk, talk about Stargate SG-1. New episodes every Monday at SG-1. Yeah. New episodes, what? That's at, at 0700. I'm sorry. I, I oh, I'm like, what did I write? <laughs> no, you're, I, I miss Sometimes they do that, man. Sometimes they fuck up like that. No, you're good. Okay. Um. Yeah, that kind of feels like, because the consistent feel for the podcast is our lives, but also the projects we do together mm-hmm. and kind of digging deeper into the things that we work on. And also, um, yeah, so it kind of like everything kind of feeds itself, you know, so that way there's kind of a consistent theme and vibe. And we'll get back to you. You're busy, but like, we'll get back to Sargate eventually. Oh, you're fine. Um, we can, I could watch it. Now. I could watch an episode a week. Oh, yeah, I guess you could. Although I do, um, I do kind of want to see your reaction to Band of Brothers. We'll do that. The next thing, the next thing we react to, or we we talk about, 
because um there's only 10 episodes of, that's one of the beautiful things there's only 10 episodes we'll just do one patreon episode a week or a month yeah. um yeah so because like kind of what i have in mind for the release structure of erebus is two chapters a month if there's like 16 chapters and that's like eight months and then a podcast that's behind a paywall and then a free short story maybe yeah. the free short story i'm not it, it, it depends on how much we can get done um because yeah i'm trying to focus on erebus and yeah um well maybe. believe me there's plenty of characters you haven't met yet who have bad relationships with their father figures oh yeah no you want to fuck i can just dive deep in some dad like, issues i mean there. let's let's look at let's like and i not not to, not to derail a conversation with like stuff but like let's just let's look at devon who's one of the three main characters from the main story which is the right. frontier wars devon's father um and mother adopted him when he was uh, like a bait when he was like a toddler so they could blend in as, so they could blend in as over, undercover operators in the frontier and then their the parents basically spent the, the next like eight years of devon's life off fighting the war until they both died very at varying points leaving Devin kind of like well i never really i never really knew my parents i know they cared about me but i can't really prove it you know sure. so it's like that kind of fucking sucks i've got this memory of happiness but i don't really have the i, don't, I have this like feeling of happiness but i don't have the memories to back it up sure so yeah i was for some reason to see if the audio is coming out of my phone sorry um yeah no that i bet that we would uh yeah, there's probably definitely spots there for daddy story issues. Mm-hmm. Um, 